Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of Meaningful Conversations and convener of community. As we continue to grow, the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We're so glad you've joined us. So I'd like to say welcome to Allison. Thanks again for just agreeing to share your journey and your snowflake, as we like to say. Um, So you received HSCT almost five years ago. That's tremendous. It's pretty amazing. It's been a really incredible journey for me. So, Um, yeah. I mean, how did you even find out about it five years ago? Things were a little different. I think there was not a lot of activity on Facebook, if you will. There was no activity. And in fact, so I was diagnosed... um, Actually, September 11th, 2013. Um, so I actually had my transplant in 2014, but that's I was pretty, diagnosed in 2013. Yeah, that's pretty incredible to find it so quickly after diagnosis. So what happened with me was I was at work. I had a doctor grab me literally and look at me and say, has anybody looked at your foot drop? And I looked at him and said, what foot drop? And he said, I've watched you almost trip over yourself like five times just now. You need to go see a doctor. And I was so exhausted, uh, a lot of things going on in my um, personal life. Uh, I've got um, four kids with two little stepkids, that's six kids, um, just running a whole lot and not really paying attention to self-care on myself Mm. and so I just assumed I was tired and exhausted being a mom so I went to a doctor didn't think it was going to be a big deal um the first neurologist I saw he said you know your tests are um lining up with MS but I want you to see an MS specialist and I'm sure I had a really terrified look on my face (laughs) and he said you know MS isn't the death sentence it once was. If you have 100 people in a room, you're only going to know five, you know, 100 people with MS in a room, you're only going to know five have MS just based on um, the typical MS, how people identify with that, right? It's interesting. So I had huge relief with that. Uh, My dad was at that appointment that day. He's a doctor and he was like, look, you know, I know people that are 80 that get a headache once in a while. And and, uh, so I'm thinking I'm, you know, going to be okay at this point. I'm 42. And then I go see the MS specialist and he just sits me down and he's like, I have never seen MRIs that look like this where the patient's still walking. Wow. I believe you've had MS for over 20 years, which... Now that I look back, starting to put that together, I have had symptoms forever. Um, and doctors, I'd go to doctor after doctor, and they kind of would shrug their shoulders like, you know, none of right. this makes sense. So I just kind of quit going to doctors. Um, well, yeah, you lose even hope that there's some answer for your pain. So he says, he says, follow me. So I follow him, and he takes me into a Tisabri infusion room, which... Those are pretty frightening. Intense. If wow. You've never had any kind of experience with MS or, you know, people um, on Tysabri usually have failed all the other medications. So uh, many of them were in wheelchairs, walkers. Um, it really, really scared me. And he said, I bet. Oh my gosh. 
He goes, I'm going to put you on Copaxin, but you're going to fail it because your disease is so aggressive. I can tell by all your test results. Um, and he said that the medication you really need is to Sabri. He goes, but your insurance won't pay for it until you fail the other medications. Wow. So he said, we're going to do a little blood test on you today to make sure that you qualify for Tisabri when you get there. Make sure you don't have something called the JC virus. Right. And I'm sure you won't. <laughs> oh, well, so many people do, though. I do. Well, I have. it turns out I have it. I actually tested at a 4.3. Mm-hmm. 4. And then my last test was a 4.7. So I, I after I failed all the meds, I was not, I, I couldn't take, um, to Sabri because of the risk of brain encephalitis right. was too yeah. great. No. Yeah. So um, my wife came home from work one day. She's a medical litigation attorney. So she worked in, you know, with medical cases all the time. Um, and in fact, she was very familiar with Tisabri because of some of the lawsuits and stuff that were going sure. on at the time. Oh, it's brutal. And she, was, she was like, absolutely, you're not going on right. to Sabri. Yeah, no. No, Period. She had learned from a friend at work that a mutual friend had gone through HSCT and it was an FDA trial. And she said, I think we should look into it. And, you know, it's not a cure, but it's as close as you can get and it's going to halt the disease. And something inside of me in that moment, it was crazy. I was like, this is like, sounds really worth entertaining. Um, so I kept going to doctors here in Utah. Um, I, I changed doctors um, to get a second opinion. And I had learned about HSCT. And I remember going and seeing the second doctor. And he's like, your disease is really aggressive. You're going to be in an assisted living center in like five years if we don't stop it. Like, you know, you've we've got to do something. But at this point, I had failed all the medications. And I said, well, what about... HSCT, they're doing it at Northwestern. He says, I'm familiar with the procedure and I don't know anybody from Utah that's been through it. Uh, certainly none of my patients have. And I can tell you what, it, it, it'll it kill you. It's effectively a bone marrow transplant and your immune system isn't strong enough to go through something like that. Oh, goodness. With all the feedback from, you know, here I've got now two different specialists telling me essentially the same thing. I'm thinking in a year, you know, my health had declined so much um, in the previous year that I was like not really willing to sit and wait. You know, since I've come to realize that I was depending on a medical community that didn't have all the information about HSCT. Mm-hmm. So there could have been a point I was a little angry, like I know so many people here in Utah, actually, there's a high MS um, rate per capita here. Um, and I know a lot of people can be helped by HSCT. Clearly, I'm a walking, I consider myself a walking miracle because of Dr. Bird at Northwestern, to be honest. Yes, yes. Um, and one of the hardest things for me to overcome in the MS community here is um, people literally take the information, they go back to their doctor, and then they get the same information I got, which is, you know, hasn't been proven. It's not uh, FDA accepted. It's a bone marrow transplant. People have died from it. I mean, this is like I've got this cheerleader, and then <laughs> I yeah, up because they're slaughtered so much... by the doctors. <laughs> yeah, but there's too much negativity around it, and it is proven. I mean, it is right. nice that at least we now have this JAMA article to help Correct. us evidence the effectiveness. Because yeah, not enough doctors learn about it or know about it. 
as Dr. Burt points out, like it's not something that the FDA is ever going to wave a wand and say, we approve, right? It's a procedure and it uses drugs that already exist. You know, and last time I was in Chicago, which was just a few months ago for my uh, four-year checkup, um, it's interesting because I was talking to Dr. Burt about, I said, you know, how far have you come with the FDA? And he says, well, I figured out I don't really need FDA approval because the patient's using their own stem cells. So that was an interesting comment. Um, well, yeah, it's a procedure, right? It's, right. It's a series of steps. Mm-hmm. The FDA approves drugs. They approve substances. They don't approve procedures. Which we could get into a whole other topic on that because right. honestly. Um, yes, they approve deadly drugs, right? They 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 do. And interestingly enough, so here I'm waiting for either my, my options are Lumtrata or HSCT. That's basically what you know I'm down to. Since I've been through HSCT, I have heard a couple of neurologists say how Lumtrata is the equivalent of liquid HIV. Wow. And I am blown away at how absolutely blessed I was for the right doors to open when it seemed like all the doors were closing on Mm. me and me trying to get better. When really all of those doors led me to HSCT, um, led me to be able to be approved for HSCT because nothing had worked. And so looking back, as scary and frightening and frustrating as that was to just keep feeling like I was being knocked down with every failure of treatment, it really led me to what ultimately I feel has um, changed my life 200%. Wow. So why was it important for you to participate in the podcast? I feel so much gratitude for the opportunity I had to receive HSCT. I lost a lot in the journey of HSCT. And it's so important for me now because I can relate to so many other people and their health struggles to spread hope and awareness. That is the most important mission I have right now Mm, is giving people, you know, hope that, there is, in regards to MS, there is this procedure and someone can have a much healthier life and there is hope beyond struggling so hard with MS. And so I speak about uh, HSCT in my journey as often as I can, as often as I'm given the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for that commitment. Absolutely. I, I kind of feel like it, I'm it's, it's more of an obligation than a commitment, meaning because I was given such a amazing opportunity, I need to pay it forward. Like, if that makes sense on the obligation comment. It does make sense. And I mean, we had this one contact, a mutual friend um, that we were able to ask questions about, but I don't, I think maybe there was one HSCT site uh, with Dr. Burt in Northwestern, but there were very few, few members and um, not a lot of people talking about it. And the backlash against HSCT when it was brought up was greater, far greater than it is now. Far more controversial. I think Dr. Burt has continued to have so much success that people with social media um, have 
shared that it's the backlash is getting less. Agreed. And so it was really brave for you to go through it even five years ago. I felt, um, I mean, it scared me just based, like I said, I had grown up being taught to always trust doctors. My father was a doctor. Right. And so, um, here I have these doctors here in Utah. One of them was one of his friends and, you know, they're saying, don't do it. Um, and so it was scary and it was a risk, but, uh, deep down I knew that it's what I needed to do. There's no doubt in my mind. It was kind of crazy. But, well, that's very powerful. I mean, how did you yeah. come to find that confidence? You know, I think it's here I had been suffering for all these years and not really known what was wrong with me. And I'd had doctor after doctor say, oh, there's nothing wrong or you're a hypochondriac or, well, you can't be feeling that. Right. Um, Go see a therapist. It's all in your head. Right. Yeah. And then to to finally get diagnosed and go you know, oh my hell, this all makes sense. And it has been going on since I was, you know, 18, 19 years old. And I'm not going to listen to any doctors that don't have my best interests at heart. I'm not going to listen to anyone who's not willing to investigate other options for me other than their standard protocol, whatever that is. Prescription writing. Well, yes. <laughs> I mean, um, let's be honest. I recently gave uh, a talk in front of a bunch of uh, University of Utah medical students and some other folks, and Wonderful. I I figured out the cost of Lamtrada at the time I gave the talk was ten thousand two hundred dollars a month. My goodness! And I had been med free for fifty four months, and I based it off of the fact my doctor said, you know, we're going to put you on Lamtrada. Right. Right that cost. So, you know, I've saved my insurance company over half a million dollars. And, you know, it was interesting because there was about 1100 people in this audience and they all stood up and started clapping. Like, you know, insurance companies really, really need to figure it out. It's, they really do. It's criminal, but sometimes it's a little scary to talk about because it shuts people down who are just in that camp of pharmaceuticals, Yeah, doctor tells us this is what we need. We're not going to question it. And so I think because doctors had questioned me for 20 years, by the time I was diagnosed, I was like so upset that I was like, ready to question. I'm not going to let anybody stop me. So I think that's where that power came from. It was just like 20 years of feeling like I was crazy, then finally getting the answer and saying, you know what? I'm going to go with my gut because for 20 years, I've known something was really, really wrong. I've been ignored by the medical community here and I'm going to figure this out. And I feel like this is the answer. That's so powerful. I it's, it's really helped me because it took, it was a long 20 years to get to that point. Right. Yeah. So when I talk to people, the hardest thing for me, although I understand it because of my own journey, but it's so hard for me, you know, I've had people say, well, you know, it's great that you got the procedure and I'm really, really suffering, and I have been for a long time, but, you know, right now, our family is putting my four kids through graduate school, and so we can't really afford that for me, or um, I'm scared to apply for the procedure because they might say no. I mean, these are things right. that are, are that they trigger me in a good way because I feel like I'm able to say, look, is it going to be harder for you to look back in five years 
having been too scared to apply for the procedure and now it's too late, are you going, is it going to be harder to say, um, I was too scared to do it or what if? What's going to be the harder question for you in five years? Is it going to be harder for someone to say, wow, um, I actually know someone who was invited to go back and see Dr. Burt three years ago, um, did not go and um, went three or four months ago. And Dr. Burt said, I'm really, really sorry, but your disease has progressed beyond what I can help with. Like the HSCT will no longer help you. And she was devastated by that. And it's, it's a real concern. And so that's the other thing I hear as well. Yeah, I'm going to hold off and just kind of see what happens. And maybe I'll apply for HSCT in a couple of years. And I'm thinking, you know, all the data shows that the more aggressive the disease, the better it's fought with HSCT. And the sooner as, the better. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what I mean. Like <laughs> the more active those lesions are, the better it is. You don't want to wait. No, you don't want to wait So to increase your chances. And other clinics will transplant yes. secondary progressive and primary progressive. It's just that Dr. Burt, with his protocol. In which he has to follow that because of Correct. his studies. Correct. So it's, um, you know, there are some really great other facilities. I've heard great things about Russia. In fact, I was on their waiting list um, in case I couldn't get in to see Dr. Burt or fit into his the parameters of his protocol. Um, so I was supposed to be uh, in Russia in 2017. That's when the wait, what the waiting list put me at. Wow. See, and I had my procedure. Uh, December 2014 is where I started, and then uh, my stem cell birthday would be January 13th, 2015. So I kind of went in two phases to Chicago. Yeah, well, and that's part of the protocol. And it's good you point that out because he is so restricted and limited by what he can do with his protocol that's funded by the NIH, right? He has to stick within those parameters and guidelines. Even when he's treating off study, he still has to stick to those guidelines. Correct. And I was actually eventually taken off study by Dr. Burt because when I went back, so I was accepted, um, went through all the testing, went through all my um, results and he accepted me on study. I went to my insurance company. Um, really grateful uh, that I was married to someone at the time who was a medical litigator because she had to write an appeal because my insurance company said, no way we're going to pay for this. But in their certificate of coverage, it said, we will cover any FDA study that's not um, covered by a pharmaceutical company. So they had to pay for my treatment. So glad is, she it, found that, <laughs> that clause in your coverage. But then I went back to Chicago uh, for my final set of MRIs before um, I would head into the study. And Dr. Burke came in the room and he's like, I am so sorry to tell you this, but your disease is progressing way too fast for me to put you in the study and risk that you'll be in the placebo group. Because if that happens, I can't give you the treatment for a year and you don't have a year. Wow. And so then we wow, had to go that's back. that's intense. I was crushed. I was like, are you, it just felt like door slam after door slam from, <laughs> you know, JC virus kind of started it. Um, he said, I will take you off study, but you have to go back to your insurance company and get them to pay for it off study now. Because my appeal was one because it was on study. 
Right. And so wow. I thought there is no way. I mean, we had to fight so hard to get them to pay for it just for the FDA trial, even if, you know, and that was in their certificate of coverage. I'm like, how is this going to happen? And so another appeal was written and um, she used the cost analysis of what it would cost to put me in a long-term care facility opposed to me receiving HSCT. And after, you know, I don't know, it seemed like a couple of months of just fighting back and forth, they finally agreed to pay for it. Amazing. It was a rough, like I said, like doors have opened that I'm not sure I would have ever believed would have, you know, and so it's kind of uh, solidifies my commitment to um, spreading as much hope and awareness as I can. Yeah. Helping other people find their doors. Absolutely. Because I feel like I've experienced I mean, it was tough getting the procedure for sure. It wasn't easy. I've, I've also had people say, well, you know, it must be nice, Allison Carr, to be able to write out a check for, you know, $200,000 for this procedure. And I'm just like, okay, take a breath. Right. <laughs> That's not what happened. But, you know, if you really want to look at the procedure, I absolutely have some great insight for you on maybe some ways you can look at appealing to your insurance company. I mean, it's it's given me a lot of insight where I feel like I can really help other people if they're willing to listen. Yeah, right. Well, and know that it is part of the journey and part of the struggle until we can get the buy-in of Correct. insurance companies to recognize, oh yeah, this is that procedure that would save us money in the long term. This is going it to help somebody. We should approve this. It's kind of crazy. I have often wondered how closely connected the insurance company and the drug companies are because I think the evidence is out there, like in my case, over $500,000 so far. That's just in pharmaceutical costs. That's not MRIs. That's not infusion costs. That's assisted living costs, right? Yeah, that is just for the drug itself. And I think, you know, if insurance companies really had the patient's best interest at heart, and this wasn't about money, right. this is an absolute no-brainer. No-brainer. Right. Well, and so for that $10,000 a month cost, who pays it? Who pays ten? Uh, oh, so, I mean, the insurance company, at least my insurance company, we, you know, we would have had to meet a family out-of-pocket deductible, deductible right. of, I think it was like eight to $10,000 a, a year in that range. And then I believe that pharmaceuticals were covered um, 80% and we covered 20, but you know, 20% of $10,000 a month, still $2,000, $2,000 a month. And no. you know, we, we had six kids and um, I wasn't able to work because well, I was working part-time, but very gradually I wasn't even able to do that because I wasn't walking very well anymore. Uh, my memory was completely blown. I mean, I would pull out of the garage and take out the garage door. I think I did that three times, not remembering to open the garage door. That's how cloudy I was. And so sure. um, to put all that financial stress, you know, on my partner was, was tough and daunting thinking about that. And that was another reason I wanted to do HSCT to take the pressure off of her. Like I didn't want her to have to support our family and try and figure out 
how to take care of me physically, emotionally, mentally, as I was really just declining. Mm. It's so much stress for a caregiver. All oh of it. Oh my gosh. That's huge. Caregivers are such a huge piece of this. It's the other painful insight I have on becoming so sick so fast. Um, and my marriage ultimately did not make make it after HSCT. Mm. Um, she filed for divorce several months after I got home from Chicago. And so that was tough for me because I wasn't sure how I was going to survive. Wow. Yeah. Um, not working or limitedly working, trying to get my strength back to go to work right. um, Recover and, and heal and take care of my four kids. Um, it was, it was a lot. It was devastating. And I've also learned uh, the power of survival. So these are all really, really amazing lessons that I feel like I can share with, with other people in regards to HSCT. The one thing I, I do, I hesitate to tell people, like I want to give her credit because she was instrumental in those appeals and getting me the procedure. Oh, and I yeah. really feel like 100% that was one of the doors that had to open was me meeting her, me marrying her. And that happening for me to get better, it's it devastated me that it didn't end up, um, our life together didn't. Was brief. Let's just call it It, it was brief and it, it, it wasn't what my vision of, you know, the day I married her was, sure, was you sure. know, but I think it's really important for people. I remember people always say, how are you doing? And I'd say, I'm great. And I'd say, hey, make sure you check on, you know. I'm not going to use her name, but make sure you check sure, on my ex. Like, sure. make sure, make sure that she's doing okay. Hey, why don't you reach out to her? Because um, there is a huge part that is so stressful on caregivers, and I saw it. It was yeah. very, yeah. It was it was very, very tough. And interestingly enough, when I went back to Chicago and I was talking to uh, Dr. Burke's nurse who was doing some testing on me this couple months ago, she said, you know, um, there are many relationships that dissolve um, when a family member is going through extreme critical illness or treatment. Many people don't know that. And what I said to her was, I said, you know, it'd be really amazing if that could be mentioned before people go through mm -hmm. treatment like this. Because if I would have had some sort of heads up, like, hey, we could go see a therapist and kind of maybe get an idea of the kind of stress that this is going to bring to right. both of us. Yes. I, th I think knowing that there's a lot of people um, that actually end up going through this, I think it's good information to have. Although I hesitate to talk about it because I don't want that to steer people away from going through the treatment. Sure. That makes sense. If that makes sense. It makes total sense. And it's interesting to think about the caregiver and, and selecting the caregiver, if you have that capacity mm -hmm. in life, right? If you have that many people close to you that could support you through this, because if to understand that this is just part of the journey and, and having the support, Correct. being able to talk and work through this can bring us out on the other side, maybe with the same outcome, right? It, it might still turn out that things don't work out the way you had hoped on your wedding day, but knowing that you're supported through the process and through the journey that you're both supported, I think is so important. It is such a huge, the mental health aspect of this transformation 
is such an important piece that people just don't, they hesitate to talk about. And, and people do hesitate to talk about it. I will say that looking back now, I mean, I am completely a different person than the woman who checked in to go through HSCT oh, in every yeah. way, spiritually, emotionally, physically. I'm actually grateful that I'm grateful that she was in my life, but I'm grateful that we're not married anymore because the person that I would choose to be married to would be, uh, I would go through HSCT with them and stay with them and figure it out. And so we're just two very different people that way. And it's okay. I actually, my, my very best friend went through HSCT a year before me um, in Chicago for um, CIDP. And we connected because her life partner 17 years he left her at the same time that my wife was leaving me so we became best friends and connected through that and it's been really interesting to share back and forth about what that process was like and what we've learned from it and really you know how grateful we are to where we are now sadly if i would have thought i was going to lose her i probably wouldn't have gone through hsat and that's been another wake-up call like becoming my own self-advocate right like wow i i love this person so much that i would have sacrificed completely me getting better not to lose her and that's not healthy either no that is so it's a lot wow quite a realization yes there's a lot in in the journey for sure Indeed. So, I mean, you've already shared so many of these memorable experiences, but do you have anything about HSCT itself, the procedure that was memorable for you? As far as going through it or just yeah. in general? Yeah, going through it. There, There's so many memories I have. One, uh, one memory I have, and it was, it occurred right after I received my stem cells, but I went in to take a shower um, and I lost my blood pressure and I fell oh hard. Oh my gosh. And um, they ended up coming in with this, it looked like a huge sling and taking me down and getting me MRIs. But I was out cold wow. for um, a while. In fact, my wife had to run out and grab nurses and doctors and she was literally screaming through the halls at Northwestern because, yeah, you know, that's she's terrifying. And um, I remember coming out of that and th again, being so grateful for the staff at Northwestern, uh, how well I was taken care of, um, how in tune everyone was with each one of the patients there, how, how really safe I felt, even though I had been through that traumatic experience, you know, I felt like my life was in the most capable hands from the people who would come in and uh, sanitize and clean my room all the way up to Dr. Burt, you know, yes. the nurses, yes. the people who would come in and uh, bring me food. They were always so cheery. I mean, just an incredible, incredible place to go through this treatment. They are just amazing. So amazing at what they do. Yeah, absolutely. And I've heard great things about all the facilities in that regard. Yeah, you know, I have too. And this is a very serious procedure, but you Correct. are in the most capable of hands the entire time. It's it's really humbling. And I don't know, often in my life, people have said, you know, you might not understand what's going on right now. It might be really hard, but looking back one day, you'll see how it all connected. And there have been many times in my life, I'm a super great eye roller. 
<laughs> people tell me stuff that I don't necessarily I'm not buying into. And it's it's probably one of my weaknesses. But there's there's been many irals around that in my life as I've gone through our things. And looking on this other side of HSCT now, um, and the journey to get there and how hard it was and, and the great loss in my life and some other areas around that. Um, you know, I still see where um, God was really taking care of me and really opening doors that I couldn't even see the cracks in at the time. It's a new kind of noticing, right? Absolutely. Every day I used to have a really hard time living in the present and I would either live in the past or the future. Mm, right. And now I can't, I can't live in the past or the future. I am just in the present because there's so much I missed not being in the present and HSCT has absolutely shown me it's the only place I can be. Right. That's, it's such a powerful realization and such a yeah. great, great place to be. Mm-hmm. So how's recovery going for you? Like in the last almost five years, right? What has shifted for you? Right. So recovery started a little rough. Um, well, yeah, I'd say going through a divorce is just, yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was rough. Um, had to put the survivor hat back on, which, you know, that was, that was good for me to practice with that some more, I guess. <laughs> it is a practice, but, right? Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's very tempting to get into that negative mindset and just dwell in sympathy, pity, and the disease phase, because that's what our body remembers, right? And Absolutely. So, yeah. You have to practice putting that survivor hat on. And like I mentioned, I don't believe I went through HSCT for the right reasons. I went through HSCT for to make life easier on everyone else in regards to not having to take care of me, right? Wow, so, yeah. So, and and that's a really huge piece. I hear that from a lot of people I talk to. You know, like I mentioned before, well, I've got to take care of this person. I've got to take care of this person, and it it uh, reminds me that I was I was there once. So that's been good for me to learn that. Um, but I started working again. I, uh, work at an international airport, um, on the operations team. And so I am walking, I think I started at about 7,000 to 10,000 steps a day. And now I'm probably up to between, I don't know, 22 and 32 a day. Fantastic. And so that's, you know, sometimes 17, 18 miles a day walking, which I absolutely believe is one of the reasons that I have come back so strong from MS and HSCT. Absolutely. Physical, emotional, but also, you know, what I'm fueling my body with are all huge components of building back a strong immune system and, and body. So uh, my recovery has been going very, very well. Wonderful. So any illness or complications? I think the first three years I got pneumonia once a year, but like I said, I work around, you know, 70 to 80,000 people a day. Right. Right. So it's hard not to get sick. It's, it's, uh, I, I think that's pretty impressive considering that, you know, my immune system was taken down. If I could get by with just getting sick once a year, that's pretty fantastic because my immune system built itself back up. So fantastic. Yeah. 
So is there any advice that you'd offer to people suffering with MS based on your experience with HSCT? I feel really grateful that this opportunity was presented. I'm not sure I would have heard about it, you know, up until maybe five years later, like now when it's more, um, more spoken about because more people have gone through it. Um, I would say to anyone that has MS that their first option should really be to look at HSCT and to stop the disease. Now, that being said, you know, not everybody probably needs this extreme of a treatment, and that's really kind of between the doctor and the patient. But I think it's important to keep HSCT on someone's radar. Um, yeah, I've had people tell me about MS patients who, you know, literally just get a bad headache once in a while, and now they're 80, and they've, they haven't had to even be on Copaxin. So That's amazing. Uh, yeah, that, I'm like, is that really MS then? Right. And and I, that's why I really hesitate. I'm not a doctor. So it's, Correct. it's really hard for me to give anybody medical advice. I don't want to, that's not my role. <laughs> and not the role of the podcast at all. Right. Correct. So when I give advice, it's like, absolutely listen to your doctor, but also be your own advocate, like yeah, where you're well, going. Yeah. If your doctor doesn't have information about HSCT, look into it together. And I think there's another component to that, honestly. If if I'm seeing a doctor, which I was, I saw two of them, who were very anti-HSCT and clearly, I mean, didn't even have the right information as I was discussing it with them, I knew very little about it and they knew less. And I that was concerning to me. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and I would say if someone is seeing a doctor who's not helping and assisting them look at all the options and really investigating, you know, HSCT together. They're just absolutely like, no, this is a horrible idea. It'll kill you kind of like the information I got. I'd say it's time to get a different doctor and a different opinion and just keep, you know, looking, seeking out doctors until you find that one who is going to partner with you and say, wow, let's look at this together. I can see the benefits instead of just the misinformation that so easily put out there. Yeah. Well, and so many doctors don't learn about it when they're going through med school. It's great that you presented to some new graduates, right? Because they probably didn't even hear about it. So I think that was my message was, uh, so although I didn't come out and say this, I, I had a long discussion with my father, like I mentioned before, that was a doctor for, you know, over 50 years. And, and, and medical students are trained to fight disease and conditions with medicine. They're not really trained to fight it any other way right. when they go through med school. And so in the States anyway, right? Well, in the United States. So it's, um, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from somebody who's been through medical school, but that's how they're trained. So it makes sense that my two doctors were like, well, that's investigational. It's not approved. It's a procedure you know, that we don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't even say that. They made it sound like they fully understood it. And it was a, a death sentence as much as, you know, to Sabri and the JC index was for me. So I did have some anger around that, like I said, and I have just come to realize that they simply didn't have correct information. And I was trusting that. So I would tell somebody, don't always trust what someone that you perceive to know more than you do says about HSAT. Be your own self-advocate seek out a medical community who will support you in figuring out 
the best option for you, whether it's HSAT or something else. Yeah, you do really have to be your own advocate. And mm -hmm. in, a, in a brilliantly ideal world, your doctor will also be that advocate. Absolutely. I want to mention that I have a doctor now here in Salt Lake that I wasn't able to get into because, well, now I know why, because he is absolutely phenomenal. That kind of doctor. He Wonderful. is, um, he works closely with Dr. Burt. Um, I, I did not meet him until after I had HSCT. Uh, he was willing to see me um, and track my progress because he was so interested in it. And HSCT, you know, he treats uh, MS patients with all sorts of different protocols, and HSCT is one of them. But it's amazing the difference between an open-minded doctor who has been willing to walk this journey with me as I've recovered, opposed to the doctors who were, you know, absolutely just wanted me to sit on the couch and wait for um, a pharmaceutical drug that might help me. It's it's a very different thought process, and it's uh, amazing to witness. And be supportive. Of that. Yeah, and be yeah, supportive. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you found him. I hope everyone can find a doctor like him, honestly, because it's, it is such a shift in a positive way. Yeah, I have the same hope. I have a similar phenomenal doctor who's just very supportive, but also like needing to learn more and know more. And she's open mm -hmm. to that. You know, she's... Oh man, I'm so sorry. I didn't think to check your thyroid sooner. You know, she's hard on herself mm -hmm. for not knowing more about the recovery of HSCT and how to best support me, but she's honest about it. I think what's incredible about that is that she's willing to say, wow, this is something new. I didn't realize and this is something I should have looked at. And she learned something new that day. I mean, um, sometimes doctors aren't always that forthright with aha moments and it's kind of refreshing to be able to witness that as well oh she's amazing i don't know what i do she found my lyme disease and i don't know what i'd do without her wow she's definitely lyme a phenomenal disease. doctor yeah that is crazy that's good for you i'm glad that you have her yeah so it's great to be supported i think is the ultimate message and um a lot of our conversation. Absolutely. So what it's, about a superpower? Like, have you gained a superpower from your experience with HSCT? You know, superpower might not sound that powerful, but really I learned a new definition of survival. And that is very, very powerful in a lot of ways. Um, survival, living with MS has been very different than survival post HSCT and then the survival post HSCT um, I've learned so many things like empathy which has helped me survive um, relating to others advocacy because really I had to be learn to be my own self-advocate to be able to survive post HSCT I don't know if this kind of makes sense to you or not uh, it's just a different different role of survival, um, being healthy than it was being so sick. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you're lost in that brain fog of disease, right. And, and every cell in your body is resonating with disease to have that wiped out and completely eliminated opens up all this space for new messaging and new strengths, right. And new courage and a new mode of survival. Like you're saying, like the noticing and 
advocating, not for just for yourself, but even for others, spreading the good word of HSCT? So I think pre-HSCT, I was in survival mode. Like I had to have help from my kids, from my wife, from yeah. my community, surviving every day, like trying to figure out as I was becoming more debilitated, like how to even move on to the next moment, you know, not being able to think all of those things. Um, post HSCT, the survival is very different. It, now I can think for myself. Uh, I'm healthy. And now surviving my divorce was tough. And that's a piece of that. And the loss and everything I felt with that um, kind of tied into learning how to live my life in a completely different way. And so survival has been a key part of that. But it's no longer surviving a disease. It's now how do I move forward? And help other people survive as well. And self-advocacy also plays into survival quite a bit. So, um, but the question is a little bit tricky because there's you know, four or five components that kind of play into Absolutely. what a superpower would be. Yeah. And yeah, the base is probably survival. And as I've built kind of a pyramid from that, um, there's been a lot of really great aha moments and learning opportunities that I feel like I could share with other people. Phenomenal. And I'm glad you are out there sharing with other people. Yeah. It's bringing voice to the journey, right? And it's powerful work. Right. And a huge part of that also that I've learned is connection. Um, I was always able to connect with people in, in the past, but now it's almost connection on steroids. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's a whole nother level as I've gone through this life-changing event of HSCT is just a different level of connection with people. Mm, in a little more genuine way, right? Absolutely. It's great to be here with you. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, um, yeah. I, I mean, it's been such a great experience to hear more about your journey, and I hope that it is inspiring others. I hope so, too, because I think witnessing and listening to storytelling is so powerful, mm -hmm. and I learned so much from hearing other people's experiences and journeys as they tell their stories that I hope as I share mine that I'll be able to, you know, spread some hope and awareness. It's a good mission to have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if it's just thinking about something in a different way, right? Yeah, different perception. I, I know I have certainly gained many of those as I've even listened to your podcast with other people. And I have really... Um, been able to open my mind into different thought processes and how people have gone about getting HSCT to, you know, their different life experiences that has really helped me grow. And I know that it's helped people listening. So I really appreciate your platform and, Thank and you. why you're doing what you're doing. That's it's really important work. Thank you. I really like hearing that. Thank you. Thank you. So, Absolutely. Well, I'm curious, what are you grateful for about HSCT that has gone unspoken? You know, if you would have asked me that like two seconds ago, I would have said the ability to connect with people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that can still be your answer. Um, so I think it's the, I think the biggest Actually, the biggest thing I've learned from HSCT is listening to my internal gut because I knew when I heard about it that somehow this was going to be the answer for me. And it was really, really tough getting there. And there were times where I doubted that my inner voice 
<laughs> as loud as it was screaming to me, was being honest with me because I'm like, this isn't working, this isn't happening. But, you know, I think like listening to my own intuition, regardless of all the noise out there, whether it's from doctors or spouses or, you know, different people in my life um, who doubted this procedure, um, I'm listening to myself and I kind of take that into my daily life now. And it's something I it might sound a little, you know, crazy to others yeah. who probably listen to themselves more, but I really, I really needed to learn that. And it's something that certainly has been a gift. Mm. Just trusting myself. So powerful. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. You bet. Thank you so much for participating in the podcast and for sharing your story with us, but also others and making presentations out there in the world. It's good work. And I appreciate you getting the word out. Hey, thank you so much. Be sure to visit our website, hsctwarriorspodcast.com, where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and access the latest HSCT research and resources. Special thanks to musical genius Bill Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. It's been great to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment, share your story. We'd love to hear from you. And in the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well.